Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Oh, my God. 
so many here today, and now you just send it out across the ether waves, and as you sing out, turn around and shake hands with as many as possible, especially through the first chorus. Everybody now, lift it right up on Heavenly Sunshine, together, Heavenly Sunshine, and then turn around and shake hands. Wonderful. Once more now, really lift it up on heavenly sunshine. Send it clear across the nations of this old world. All right. and be seated please friends this radio ministry is possible only because so many of you share with us the burden for proclaiming the unsearchable riches of Christ to this war-torn atomic conscious world and because you're doing your part in this radio ministry we are seeing many precious souls come to a saving knowledge of Christ each week in response to the preaching of the word May I say that's all you'll ever hear on the old-fashioned revival hours, the preaching of God's Word. We haven't time for anything else. Perhaps God is speaking to some of you listening today who have never done so before to join us in this work, and we should be so happy to hear from you. But our mailing address is... Old-Fashioned Revival Hour, 700 Locust Street, Pasadena, California, 91101.
And now, Mrs. Fuller with the letters. Go right ahead, honey. You almost missed it that time. Uh, greetings, friends. A lady writes briefly that she's glad she's had a part, so a small part, in keeping the old-fashioned revival hour on the air. For she heard a young man, a very able and consecrated speaker, on fire for God, as she said, in a youth meeting. And he said that he'd been converted here in the auditorium in Long Beach. And she felt that he was doing a wonderful work, and she felt that she had a little part in it, which she has. Now from Sheep's Head in the Orkney Islands, way up north, Dear Dr. Fuller, here we are listening to your cheery broadcast from the most northerly island of Orkney. We hear your wife reading letters from Scotland, but we are a long distance farther north, and it does us all a world of good to hear your program. You sing a lovely chorus, Heavenly Sunshine, and we've picked up the tune, but we can't get the words of the second line, so will you please give them to us? Well, several people have written from Europe and said they couldn't get it clearly, so I'll give it to these friends. It's heavenly sunshine, heavenly sunshine, filling my soul with glory divine. Heavenly sunshine, heavenly sunshine, hallelujah, Jesus is mine. That last line is hallelujah, Jesus is mine. And then I hesitate to read a bit from this letter and comment on it, for I know that some people who haven't much of a sense of humor will not understand. But you just can't please everyone, and I think this is funny, and that some of you will enjoy hearing it. This is about the television program that we had a year ago last winter. Well, it's a part of the past that Mr. Fuller and I would like to forget, for we weren't good at it, and we were not able to accomplish what we had hoped to accomplish. But this amusing sidelight on the television programs comes from a lady in Philadelphia who attended the meetings there. And first let me say that I never expect to live to be old enough to look as I did on television. <laughs> so when people greet us with the statement that they saw us on television, I always say, oh dear, let's forget that. And this lady writes, we're delighted to see you both in Philadelphia. Television didn't do anything for your looks. In person, you look quite different from what you did on the television screen. Well, I can't read you just what she said after that, but anyway, she was surprised that we didn't both look 95 years old. And I think that's amusing. Now, here is a very good letter, warm-hearted one, from one of our fine servicemen who listens in Germany. Dear Dr. Fuller, I've missed your program so bad, and I thank you for answering my letter and telling me where I could get you over the Luxembourg station. I got it Thursday night, and there just aren't words to tell you, to make you know what it meant to us guys. First, it wasn't too clear, but was rather faint, because a neighboring country is very bad to jam the airwaves of that station if they can. They tried it last night, but they just wasn't big enough. Even they cannot outdo Almighty God. I was listening all by myself, but before your choir had about sung two songs, a crowd of guys was with me, about half of all those that wasn't on pass. The most peculiar part was that I didn't have to invite them to come in. I didn't even know that they were here until one of the guys made a noise, and I looked up and saw them gathered round. I guess while I was listening so hard, I was so happy that I even forgot 
that I was in Germany. Dr. Fuller, I never can tell you how much just hearing a minister of the gospel over here means to us guys that are a long ways from home, and especially the ones that have heard you for years back home before coming into the service. I thank God for men like you who will preach the truth so plain that even less intelligent people can understand it. And a man who will strive to preach it outside of his own country, and I know it isn't easy to carry a program over the whole world, but I wouldn't have missed that broadcast last night for a whole month's salary. It's useless to try to say what it meant to one lonesome soldier. And I want to ask your prayers. For all of us guys in uniform, no matter what color or creed or where we are, for we need the prayers of the folks back home. We have letter after letter from servicemen, and almost everyone asks for our prayers. So friends, let's not let them down. Let's pray regularly for them. That is all for today.
and sing two verses of number 131, Sweet Hour of Prayer, Sweet Hour of Prayer. In these turbulent days, these perilous days, how we need to know how to pray. Sweet Second verse, all the men in the background humming, ladies singing the two parts. Son Daniel with us today, and he'll lead us to the throne of grace. Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee that as we come to thee in prayer today, that thou dost know and understand and art concerned for all the problems of all those that are tuned in to this broadcast today. How thankful we are for Christ, who bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. How thankful we are, O Father, for thy comfort, which alone is abiding and lasting in this world. Today we would pray especially for those who are seeking to maintain a Christian testimony in the midst of the rest of the family who perhaps are not saved and do not know Christ. O oh, Father, we pray that Thou wilt enable them to continue living a consistent testimony. May they continue to be faithful in prayer for their unsaved loved ones. And Father, we pray that they may have the joy of coming to know and to see that their loved ones know thee as Savior and Lord. 
Father, we would also pray for the elderly folk on the sunset of life, many of whom feel lonely and forsaken by their children and by their friends. And we pray that they may find in thee joy and peace and contentment and happiness in these days. And Father, today we would also remember the servicemen of our country. Father, in the midst of sin and strife, we pray that those that are Christians amongst them may also maintain a consistent Christian testimony, that their countenances may radiate the marvelous presence of Christ, that their buddies may come to know Christ. And bless also the faithful Bible-believing chaplains in their midst. Empower them and enable them to win many of our GIs to Christ. Father, how thankful we are that in the midst of this world of sin and woe that there is one, namely thee and thy Son, who are able to give peace in the midst of direful circumstances, joy in the midst of circumstances which would otherwise mean sorrow, and victory in the midst of temptation. And we pray today that many may look to Christ and find in Him their all in all. In Jesus' name, amen. If the world from you with all of its silver and its gold, and you have to get along with me, dear fair, just remember in his word how he feeds the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Fashion Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message today is prayer. I'll provide additional information after Dr. Fuller's message. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 as we rejoin the broadcast. Thank you. 
Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse 18. Ephesians 6, 18. In our meditations upon the Christian soldier's spiritual armor for combat, we have learned, according to the sixth chapter of Ephesians, about the soldier's need of having his loins girt about with truth, his back and front protected by the coat of mail, that is, the righteousness of Christ, his feet shod with the readiness of the gospel, the shield of faith, his head covered with the helmet of salvation, and in his right hand the sword of the Spirit, the word of God sharper than any two-edged sword. Surely seeing a group of Christian warriors thus equipped, one would say they were ready for combat, ready for the heat of battle against the wiles of the devil. However, the Apostle Paul gives a word of admonition, saying in effect, wait a moment please, hold steady. There is one other all-important item which you Christian soldiers need, for unless you are fully equipped, you will be defeated. Thus Paul lays before this last all-important item we must be equipped with if we are to be victorious fighters in the good fight of faith. Ephesians 6.18. Listen carefully. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. If time permits, may we note four words, pray, always, supplication, waiting. The Word of God has much to say upon this grand and wonderful theme of prayer. We could spend the time profitably so by studying the many references to prayer in the Old and New Testament. 
But somehow I feel led to consider the life of one of God's choicest saints who stands out as a great spiritual warrior, a beautiful illustration of the truth of Ephesians 6.18, one who prayed always with supplication, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. It would be soul-feeding to study the prayer life of Abraham, for example, or for Moses or Solomon in asking God for wisdom, how that God answered his prayer exceeding abundantly above all he asked or thought, for God not only gave Solomon wisdom, but riches, honor, and a long life. However, may we focus and concentrate our hearts and minds upon an Old Testament saint by the name of Daniel. Daniel, a man greatly beloved. So will you just turn quickly into the Old Testament to the first chapter of Daniel and we'll go through and see how Daniel fulfills Ephesians 6.18 praying always with supplication, watching. It's beautiful how this man of God looked forward to the admonition in Ephesians 6.18 and never failed. In the book of Daniel, it covers a period of time of approximately 70 years. So get this background. That is, Daniel, when he was carried captive into Babylon, was a young man, perhaps around the early age of 18. At the close of the 12 chapters, Daniel is a seasoned warrior, some 88 to 90 years of age. And across the 12 chapters, we find Daniel's prayer life some 70 years at least in length, we find his prayer life as a beautiful illustration of the four points that I have just pointed out to you in Ephesians 6.18. Now in chapter 1, we find Daniel is captive in Babylon, a young man, 18 years of age. And what an example for Christian warriors, young Christian soldiers to follow. And according to chapter 1, Daniel with his companions, they were the type in which was no blemish according to verse 4, well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and so forth. And the king selected these young men to partake of the king's meat, a daily portion of the king's meat, meat sacrificed to idols for the purpose that they might stand in the days ahead before the king and be his select group around about him. But, verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And as the chapter goes on, we find Daniel a separated warrior standing true. And no doubt Daniel and his companions spent much time in prayer. And Daniel said to the prince of the eunuchs, let us have the pulse that God provides, and then after ten days period, let us stand before the king and see how our countenances are. And at the end of ten days, according to verse 15, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. And right at an early age, Daniel purposed in his heart a man of prayer with his companions that he would be separated and touch not the unclean thing. Going to chapter 2, this great chapter prophetic word 
that we ought to know something about in these dark and perilous days. Nebuchadnezzar, the great and powerful and wicked king over Babylon, dreamed a dream. He was the head of gold. He was head over the world at that time. And he was troubled after he had had his dream. He could not recall the dream, let alone the interpretation thereof. And he called the magician and the astrologer and the sorcerer and the Chaldeans. God forbid that any Christian ever goes to an astrologer or to a sorcerer. You're dealing with the devil's own when you do. Excuse me for putting that in. It won't cost you an extra penny. Anyway, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed this dream and he was troubled. So he called for the magicians and they said, in effect, tell us the dream and we will show you the interpretation thereof. You read it for yourself. And then the king issued a decree to the magician. Show me the dream and the interpretation or off goes your head. That will be your portion, magicians, astrologers. Well, Daniel and his companions seemed to be among the wise men at that time and they were included in that group, although they were not astrologers or magicians. And they were under the sentence of death. What does Daniel do? He calls his companions together for a prayer meeting. A beautiful prayer in verse 20 to 23. Speaking about God, he changes the times and seasons. He removeth kings. He setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. And how God beautifully answered Daniel and his companions' prayers and revealed not only the forgotten dream, but gave the interpretation thereof. And in the remaining verses of chapter 2, bless your heart, we have one of the great prophecies of all Scripture outlining the times of the Gentiles from about 606 B.C. down to the soon coming day of the Lord, which day I believe with all my heart is very near, a time already 2,500 years in duration. Not setting any dates, God forbid, but I believe we're on the threshold of the soon coming of Christ. And in that great prophecy, you have the commencement, the course, and the consummation of the times of the Gentiles. And they're about to come to the end when God will restore Israel as the leading nation in the days ahead. And they'll be reconciled under their Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And through prayer, God revealed to Daniel these tremendous truths and told Nebuchadnezzar just the outline. First, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and then the long interval after the Messiah was cut off. Turn to chapter 6. I tell you, when you study the prayer lives of these men of God, now remember, Daniel is considerable older under Darius and Cyrus, under the Medo-Persian kingdom. And he was elevated to a high position, president of the cabinet, high next to the king himself. And as a result of that elevation of Daniel to that high position, jealousy, intrigue came apparent. And those in lesser authorities began to plan against Daniel. And here we have the wiles of the devil. They're in the sixth chapter of Daniel outlined to us. 
And in the tenth verse, now notice it. Now when Daniel, oh, this is important. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. And his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Now, you, in reading that, you may not catch the full intent of those words. When I say to you there are two or three things there that we should have our attention called to, first of all, his windows being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem. Well, you say, wasn't that natural? Wasn't he a captive? Wasn't he homesick? Yes. But listen, there's something deeper, something that goes way to the very heart of the gospel. And that is this, that in Jerusalem was the temple, and at the temple entrance was the brazen altar upon which the sacrifice was burning continually. And Daniel knew that if he was to approach God, he must look towards the propitiation, the sacrifice for sin. And he found out right then and there that the only way of approach on the part of man towards a holy God is on the basis of the shed blood of an innocent substitute. That's what it means. And when you come in prayer, you come through Christ on the basis of His substitutionary atoning work. For the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Second, He looked towards the labor, the washing of water for the priest daily going into the temple, not only past the altar of sacrifice, but He stopped at the labor and washed His hands and feet. And John tells us that we are clean through the Word, the water of life. Not only that, but Daniel looked towards the one and only light in the temple. As much as to say, if I walk in the light, as He is in the light, I have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. God's Son cleanses from all sin. And Daniel by faith looked at the table of showbread, feasting upon the bread of life, then he was ready at the altar of incense for his prayer to ascend and be accepted by God. So his windows were opened towards Jerusalem. Furthermore, he kneeled in humble submission, praying always. Then third, he gave thanks. And I'm reminded of Philippians 4, 4 to 6. In everything by prayer, listen carefully. In everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. It's a wonderful thing to be able to give thanks in all things. In everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall throw a garrison, a fortress, around your heart and mind. And you'll know something of the peace of God goes right through your intellect down to your heart, keep you in perfect peace. Let's go to chapter 9 quickly of the book of Daniel. I wish I had time to go into that marvelous chapter. But remember this, 70 some years before this was spoken, before Daniel's time, Jeremiah had prophesied that the children of Israel, because of their disobedience, that the whole land shall be desolation, and those nations shall serve the king of Babylon 
Seventy years. Mark it now. And it shall come to pass when the seventy years are accomplished that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it a perpetual desolation. God spoke. And now notice Daniel in the ninth chapter, in the first year, second verse of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Daniel had the light of the prophetic word that shines as a light in a dark place. And the 70 years were just about through and Daniel said, I want to know what's going to happen to us. We're in captivity. And so in verses 3 to 19, one of the most beautiful prayers, the Holy Spirit inspired prayers in the entire Word of God at the close of this broadcast. Read it, will you? Go to the ninth chapter of Daniel and read verses 3 to 19. For in that prayer you find, first of all, listen, confession of sin. And every prayer will never be acceptable unless accompanied by confession of sin. For if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we find supplication, that is, intercessory prayer, the very outpouring of His heart for the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And the result of that prayer, listen, God says, now Daniel, you're wondering about the close of the 70 years upon your people Israel. Daniel, may I inform you that I have in my divine plan and will seven seventies upon Israel. 490 years. You read it there. 482 of those years were accomplished the moment that Christ hung on Calvary's cross. And the last seventh year period will come to pass right after the rapture and the home going of the church when Christ comes for His own. And I believe it is soon. Why? For the simple reason that Israel is now budding as a fig tree and the end days are taking place. And when the church goes, God deals with Israel again the 70th week of ten. Oh, beloved, listen. I wish we had time to go to the 10th chapter. How his prayers were hindered 21 days. Warfare in the heavenly. Read it. Hindered 21 days because of the prince of the power of the air fighting against Christ and Michael the angel. I must close. This is for all encouragement to you outside of Christ. There's only one prayer God will hear from your sinning lips and deceitful heart. And that prayer is, God be merciful to me a sinner and save me for Christ's sake. That's the only prayer God will hear from your sinning heart. Will you come today and be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ? Come by the way of the sacrifice, the new and living way, Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. No one stirring, please. Friends outside of Christ in the radio audience, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Will you drop to your knees wherever you may be and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake.
while our heads are bowed in this wonderful, splendid, visible audience in Long Beach today, how many will quickly put their hands up and say, Brother Fuller, pray for me. I want to accept Christ as my personal Savior and be remembered in the word of prayer. Will you shoot your hand up any place in this audience and say, By the uplifted hand, Brother Fuller, I need Christ as my personal Savior. Remember me in a word of prayer. God bless you. Are there others? I must close. Continue in prayer as we leave the air. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you.